On today's show, the Florida Panthers had their end-of-season media availabilities. We're going to discuss some of the players who dealt with some injuries, and we're also going to discuss how certain players grew as players on the ice and themselves off the ice. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this Friday, June 16th edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Ramon Velez, and you can follow me on Twitter at Monoman12. Follow the show account on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore FLA Panthers, and you can listen to Locked On Panthers anywhere you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. And subscribe to the YouTube channel because we're about 20 plus away from 500. So help help the show out and you'll get exclusive content and you'll also get to see me and my guests' pretty faces here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. And shout out to everydayers who come back here and get your daily Florida Panthers fix. So Cats fans, the Florida Panthers had their end of season media availabilities today, unfortunately. We are not preparing for a game six on Friday night at FLA Live Arena. And I also got to witness the ice getting destroyed uh, as they were ready to move on into the offseason because, of course, keeping the ice over the summer, there's operation costs when it comes to the arena. So over the summer, they're saving a, a big uh, buck of the, 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 the city of Sunrise and Broward County in the arena. But it is a Fairbanks Friday here on the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, where Nick Fairbanks is back, formerly of pantherparkway.com, to discuss the end-of-season media availabilities for the Florida Panthers. We're going to do three today and three over the weekend. Today we're going to do Matthew Kachuk, Anton Lindell, and Aaron Ekblad. But, Nick, welcome back to Lockdown Panthers. Thanks for having me back on, Armando. And uh, it feels a little chilly around here something that i haven't been able to feel over the last couple months but i think that's a good thing right yeah uh as 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 what nick is talking about for those of you who aren't watching on the youtube uh nick has his uh full playoff beard off i have i only have the mustache uh still going uh stuart skinner inspired me uh especially seeing how thick that was and during all-star week i'm like you know let me give this a try it might it might i might change my mind uh later but yeah so (laughs) What what a crazy day for for myself. Uh, full disclosure: woke up at four a.m. to drive all the way to Sunrise, Florida, uh, to, for media availabilities. Uh, did all that, re- recorded the ice being destroyed. Went to La Spada's, got this Eastern Conference Champions T-shirt at Caneswear today, uh, and then went and then went back home, took a nap, did some notes, and then here we are doing a podcast here. So. Great to be uh, great to be able to do uh, content uh, with you, my friend. But let's go right into it. let's go right into it. Let me ask you first of all, give us like thirty to sixty seconds on your thoughts on the Florida Panthers losing in five games against the Vegas Golden Knights. Really couldn't ask for much more out of this team, considering uh, what they were dealing with. Number one and number two, they just didn't have the depth this year, and that's something that we kind of talked about uh, earlier in the season that the depth between the seasons was a little bit different. And now that we're going into the off season, uh, I do expect Bill Zito to address that. I do expect us to come back better. 
Um, but I can honestly say that this was a ride for a lifetime. Um, you know, I wasn't paying attention to the Panthers in 96. I wasn't a fan back then, but I can only imagine what it felt like back in 96 that it feels like today. Um, so I'm grateful for it. I'm not angry or uh, any kind of like sad about, you know, how things ended up because none of us expected to be here. It was all house mounting after Boston. And I'm just grateful to be a part of it. Come on here and talk to you about the series, uh, multiple series, and just enjoy it the whole time. No doubt. And we're still kind of somewhat wrapping up the season in mm-hmm. in mid-June and couldn't ask for anything more as we are delaying off-season content. But uh, <laughs> the the guy, the the like we said, we um, the six people went up to the podium today to to do see, um, end of season media availabilities. We're gonna spend in segment one talking about the guy who was not on the ice uh, for, for game five, Matthew Kachuk. And Matthew Kachuk t- spoke about how he knew that something was off and the order of operations of getting x-rays, had to go through a concussion uh, protocol from the spotter, didn't know whether he was on his uh, playing his last game and also was talking about running on adrenaline and not really feeling it until the next day. Brady Kachuk staying over as well. And just uh, just really... Your heart goes out to him about playing with a broken sternum in all in all of Game Four, um, and and even not playing the a, a good um, good amount of time there for like ten plus minutes and only getting there towards the last towards the last few minutes to try to tie the game. And of course, his teammates helping him dress, putting mm-hmm. on his skates, brother getting out of um, getting out of uh, bed as well, and. Uh, the, there's uh, no confirmation on surgery, but uh, he he also said that there were 12 guys who were more effective uh, than him uh, on on the ice based on the broken sternum. Uh, what were your thoughts when you first heard of of the uh, of those uh, of those things by Matthew Kachuk in the season of end of season media availability? Uh, nothing but guts. This guy has uh, the fact that he was still willing to lay it on the line. Um, and that he just figured that he couldn't go. His body was basically telling him, no, this pain is too much. Uh, Game three was definitely um, all adrenaline, and the fact that he still went back out there and scored the game-tying goal says a lot about him. I don't think Florida's had a player like him ever, and I know I've said this multiple times during the season, but it just encapsulates everything that he's about. So to hear that the team was helping him get dressed, put his skates on, his brother had to help him get out of bed, I mean, what what more does he need to know? Like, hey, maybe I, maybe I should take a break or maybe I shouldn't play because I could injure myself even more because, I mean, one more hit to the chest, I mean, that could have been devastating. Um, so just happy that he's now kind of going to be in that whole uh, recovery mode. Hopefully he'll be ready for the start of the season and uh, he'll be ready for a much better season next season. I don't know how he can top it, but hopefully he can lead the Panthers um, – in many different ways as well. Yeah, and unfortunately, I did not get the, the opportunity to ask him um, if it was a Palmer's decision to take him out for the last ten minutes, or if it was, or even not have him play Game Five, or it, or if he said that he couldn't go. But you gotta really appreciate how how he lays it all on uh, on the line for just mm-hmm. to just to win um, the ultimate prize and something that you work all all season for as well and he also he also was asked about 
what, what were some of the greatest memories? And you spoke about how it was the memories created off uh, camera as well. The things that yeah. we the we don't see the fans and the media, and also talk about how the playing playing cards on the on on the plane or going back to team hotels, being around each other as, as well. And also, let's not forget that uh, after game one of the Eastern Conference Final, what did he do? He thanked the medical uh, staff, the strength and conditioning staff as well for mm-hmm. helping the Panthers go uh, a, to help them power through game one of the Eastern Conference final. And he did one thing today that I was not expecting him to do. He thanked the media at the end for a great year and some not really something that I would expect for, for him to do. It's just like, okay, we're just here doing our jobs. He's doing his obligations as a player, but mm-hmm. also thanking do, doing something so small like thanking uh, thanking us and and it continues to just show the kind of volumes that he is a, as a person at just 24 years old i'm older <laughs> than the kid so <laughs> it just it just goes to show the volumes that and the leadership qualities that matthew kachuk does in fact have definitely and you know it, it is odd that you know you would thank the media because usually they're the ones that are asking uh, either uncomfortable or questions that you really don't want to answer because you don't want to put anybody on the spot. You don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But I think his first year in Florida, he was such a magnetic personality that I think everybody wanted to go towards him. And I know the season didn't start off the way that they wanted to. And then even towards the middle, it wasn't where they wanted to be, but they always had that belief and it carried with him. It carried within the team and it carried with them in the playoffs. So, you know, I don't think the media ever, you know, was hard on him. You know, I can only imagine what he probably went through in Calgary uh, while the team wasn't either playing well or, you know, a lot of fans said that he didn't show up in their playoff uh, run. Sorry. I mean, it's a different time. He's a different player. He's matured. And I think he just wanted to basically say, I really enjoyed the season and you guys were a part of it. Thank you for getting my message and our team's message out to uh, really carry us through, um, you know, the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and before we transition over to segment number two, uh, ever since I heard the word broken sternum, uh, there there's a there's an old sideshow in the Amanda show called Moody's Point. Did you ever watch that by any chance? <laughs> of course I did. There's remember the character <laughs> named Sternum? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part of me wanted um, a question asked, how did he play through the broken sternum? And then him to respond with, how did I not play with a broken sternum? So, part of me, uh, childhood. Yep, childhood Love memories it. there. But, <laughs> but yeah, you know, Matthew Kachuk is probably too young to remember that that show. Uh, as far as far as that, but aging my aging ourselves a little bit here, uh, here on <laughs> on the show. But, uh, but in all seriousness, we hope that Matthew Kachuk does recover and he's able to uh, get there uh, back to for the start of training camp. But we're going to go to segment number two where we're going to talk about Nick's boy, Anton Lindell, and, and what he had to say to the media uh, in his end-of-season media availability. We're going to discuss that next here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. But first, we're going to tell you all about Bird Dogs. Bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing like Lululemon, 
but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dog fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis but stretches to get you way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnHL and enter promo code LockedOnHL to get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnHL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Segment number two here on this Friday, June 16th edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. It is another edition of Fairbanks Friday here on the show. Nick Fairbanks is back and... We're going to talk about his boy, uh, Anton <laughs> Lindell. If if you've been listening for a long time for here on the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, ever since January of 2021, all of the appearances of Nick, especially towards the end of the season, we we uh, we you could hear Nick just all ha- love um, wanting. Anton Lindell to come come to the team after spending a, his time in Helsinki, and of course, mm-hmm. uh, of course, uh, the guy that he wanted uh, drafted at number twelve overall uh, back in twenty nineteen. Excuse me, twenty twenty. So, sorry, but Nick a- Anton Lindell he and he came to his media availability wearing uh, Inter Miami hat uh, too uh, to the media availability. He said that he had it for over a year. So not not something new for for him, and we'll talk about a little bit more inner Miami tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> when talking about in relation to Alexander Barkov, but Paul Maurice said said that Anton Lindell would be a big beneficiary of of his development, and and Anton Lindell spoke about most fun, uh, more 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 fun every round, and it got tough, and it created some good memories. And let's talk about the importance of when you're still developing and not only your, your bot, not, not only your, your play, but your physique, your mental game, whenever you're in year two and you, and you are, you, you know, when one thing that players coming into the league want is consistency. And of course the situation that came with the coaching staff, coaching staff change as well. That's a, that's a little hard for a player. And we, we were, we were a little tough on Anton Lindell, um, mm-hmm early in the season but of course the how he's elevated his game especially in round two um and and on but how how would you how would you say how would you say that he how would you say how would you say that he's uh improved uh this season how how do you feel that he he himself uh how he spoke about his uh improvement in his game so if you were to ask me you know, probably in December, January, I would probably say he was probably one of the more disappointing players, uh, not just because it was a sophomore slump, but, you know, I didn't feel like his defensive game was right. You know, I think he was either trying to do too much or he just didn't have the right combination of line mates. Either way, he needed a run like this. He needed a long playoff uh, run just to basically be able to put things into perspective to put him in the best position possible because he's always going to put defense first, just like Barkov. But the one thing that he has that unfortunately Barkov doesn't have is I feel like he has a more of a killer instinct. He's willing to shoot the puck. He's willing to uh, create more offense. Um, Whereas Barkov is more passive. He'll decide to carry the puck in the zone, which is great. He's very good at possessing, but 
he's more or less looking for somebody else to pass the puck to and, you know, give them the glory for a goal. But Lundell, Losterinen, and uh, Reinhardt really stepped up in that round two. I mean, I think they had the most beautiful goal, in my opinion, uh, from a system standpoint um, in that I think it was game two. Maybe it was game one where Losterinen goes in, hits a Leafs defenseman, Reinhardt's there to pick up the broken puck or the loose puck, and he passes right to Lundell. And um, I don't think Samsonov knew it was there. So um, he's just game two. And I, yeah, thank you. Where they scored, I believe, within forty-seven seconds of the of the of the of the game. So okay, good. Of so, the second period, excuse me. Okay, so I think he needed this to not only show that he has the ability to still do this, but also that he can shine when it's needed. Now, did he show up in the third round? I do. I, I do think that that line was there. Um, and then against uh, Vegas, I think actually he was actually one of the better players. He definitely showed out in the first game um, and third game. But I think he just needed this confidence boost. And going into next year, I think he's going to be even more confident. You know, we'll see who his line mates are. We'll see if Reinhardt uh, is still around, depending on, you know, what his contract status is going to be. And then, you know, lost to Ryan and, you know, I hope he gets better after his broken tibia. Cause that I saw him skating the other day and it looked like he was not ever going to come back this season. And I'm just glad that, you know, they were serious enough not to allow him back, but Lundell is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, I didn't think it was going to be that way midway through this season, but now I think he's got the tools to do it again. Yeah. And, and it's great. It's crazy. What, he he can have a mentally he could feel good going into the offseason and the fact that it's short for him and he's not one of the guys listed who had uh any serious injuries i think it's going to be uh very beneficial for for him uh for for sure uh mm-hmm. as far as the the curb for for him but i did have an opportunity to ask anton lindell on thursday about how he how the the confidence of the coaching staff for him, but also Alexander Barkov. We're going to play that clip right now. <laughs> he, he likes him now again i guess yeah uh i don't that could mean anything was lundell a little messy did he not clean up after himself because i mean you know i i've had i've had i was in my early 20s once living in a college dorm uh with like four three four roommates you know sometimes those aren't the cleanest of places <laughs> so that could mean that could mean anything but also anton lundell he says that barkoff is funny but he don't count out don't count 
Anton Lundell out on his ability to make jokes as well. So just just had to get that in there as far as uh, his ability to like make make the room laugh. And also when I shared it on Twitter, a lot of people loved that comment from uh, Anton Lundell. <laughs> but also Lundy was asked about playing different positions and um, his ability to see the ice differently as well, being able to go up on Barkov's wing as well. And I think that's just very beneficial whenever you're able to see see it from one side and then when you go when you do go back to center i don't think he's ready to be the 2c next year i still think it's going to be a, another year it's funny we spoke about this last off season mm-hmm. about yeah. it but i do think that this is only going to to get get him that leg up when he does go when he does eventually become the 2c yeah I, you know i was thinking about it the other day you know, we I kind of had him penned in to go take over the second C um, position, and it wasn't the right time. You know, he was going into his second season, sophomore slump, wasn't playing that well, didn't have a lot of the confidence, and then, you know, the playoffs come around and he's playing a lot better. I think, as you were saying, that it benefits him playing on Barkoff's wing to see the game differently, and it allows him to have more experience and to put his line mates in a better position after playing um, in a finals game like that. So it's all positive. But the thought I was having was maybe he's not going to be the answer at 2C. Maybe, maybe. they permanently maybe they permanently move him to wing. Um, maybe he's going to be the answer for Barkoff, uh, depending on what moves are going to be made this offseason. Or, you know, him and Bennett can do the 2C, 2AC, or 2BC or whatever, um, just because Sam plays such a rough and tough game that I don't know how long his body's going to be able to take that because he, ever since he came in in game two in the first round, he was a force to be reckoned with. And it just seemed like his body took a beating, um, you know, game in and game out. So I wonder if Lundell's then going to step in for him when he's injured or when he's just not there, you know, that night or he's not doing that great, which would be good exposure for Lundy. But at the same time, you know, we got to see what we're going to get out of Lundell if he's going to continue to be a center or, if he's going to be moved to wing, which either way, whatever's going to make him more effective and make the team more um, uh, successful, uh, I'm okay with. So um, hashtag Lund- Lundell fan club over here. So we're all good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you spoke about Bennett and it, it was uh, Palmeris did sp- speak about Bennett had a uh, groin and oblique troubles before the postseason. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know what happened in the Detroit game in uh, late, late March that, caused them to miss a little bit of time before the four-game losing streak before the Florida Panthers did, in fact, make that run. So uh, the grittiness of um, Sam Bennett, of, of that that is a guy who you, you might want to keep for, for there at the 2C. And who knows? Like you said, it could be interchangeable for, for them too as far as uh, break glass in case of emergency. That's kind of how I see it Correct. as far as that for, for sure. But we're going to transition over to segment number three. We're going to discuss... Aaron Ekblad's media availability ahead of of uh, the guys going out for the summer. We're going to discuss that next here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. But first, we're going to tell you all about game time. And buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun 
you'll have. And the Marlins are eight games over 500, and they are about to come back from a long road trip, so you can snag your tickets over at game time. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals for tickets for football, basketball, baseball, hockey, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantees you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets for the same section row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to go through your email. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNHL and get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account, redeem code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. Segment number three here on this Friday, June 16th edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. It is another edition of Fairbanks Friday where Nick Fairbanks is back on the show. And Eric Bud spoke to the media on Thursday. And if there's any player outside of Matthew Kachuk who shows, who wears their heart on their sleeve, like I said, outside of Kachuk, it's probably Aaron Blad. And now it's starting to make a whole bunch of sense about the frustration that he went through this season injury-wise. And we could see how it kind of manifested on the ice, especially when he took a penalty as well. And it's just... I, I saw it as a lot of it boiling over, at least looking back at everything. And now seeing it revealed about the broken foot, the the dislocated shoulder as well. Uh, and just, it, you you kind of feel bad for the guy. And he said that he, this was the hardest season that he's dealt injury-wise. And and I had a someone reply to a tweet saying he, he snapped uh, his leg twice in the last two seasons. And he says this, here's what I have to say to that. Mm-hmm. When, it's a, It's really about the accumulation of different types of injuries and still having to go through the gauntlet of the playoffs as well. That's my, that's what I have to say to that. And, of course, Aaron Eckblad talking about how it hurt worse when he wasn't playing hockey and his adrenaline wasn't going and just having to casually walk as well. And also the timeline of it as well is happening game two against Boston didn't find out until in between the Carolina and Toronto series. And listen, you've dealt with your injuries playing with sports. I have too. Sometimes we could be in denial about how hurt we actually are because we just want to play for the love of the game as well. And I can't fault Aaron Eckblad for that. Everyone's like, why isn't he? Why People are probably thinking, why isn't he? Why doesn't he just get it checked? Listen. There, there's just a different competitive fire when it comes to these athletes and and wanting to just get out there and and of course go for that ultimate prize of the cup. Definitely, you know, it, it does answer a lot of questions or speculations about him. You know, during the postseason, even during the season, that you know he was dealing with a lot. You know, I I have an injury right now that I'm kind of dealing with that has me sidelined, but you know, not to the magnitude that he's had it. You know, and you, as you said, you had somebody comment saying that he snapped his leg, you know, twice in two seasons. Think about it this way. That's one and done. You're ripping the Band-Aid off. You're done. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can start recovering from that. You're not playing. You know, you're going through and you're rehabbing. 
But this one is you're accumulating, as you said, injuries. You're having to play through them for not only a chance at the cup, but also for your team. And, you know, it's, it's getting multiple punches and still being able to get up and play. And that's probably a testament to him as a person and him as a player, even though I've probably been very hard on this season and my avatar on Twitter is Brooks Kepka with the uh, traffic cone, but he showed a lot of guts. And honestly, if he had not said, or if Paul Maurice had not said he was injured, I would have never known. He, he literally did not look like it. I mean, besides the skating, which it still is an opportunity for him, he, he looked like Aaron Eckblad. So it, it begs the question, has he always been hurt? Has he always played like this hurt? Maybe. And if it is, and if it is, they got to find something out. They got to either find a new regiment, training regiment for him so his body uh, can react or heal quicker or at least doesn't get as damaged. But, you know, hats off to him. I, I'm very happy to say that, you know, he was able to go through this and put the Panthers, you know, in a position to possibly win a cup. Yeah, and especially since he's uh, one of two guys who who have been here for five-plus seasons and went through the GM uh, change as well. And we know how much this means to someone like him as well. And he says that he is going to have surgery on the shoulder and he won't be ready for the start of training camp. Nothing, nothing about the start of the season, game one uh, of the regular season, but he won't be ready for the start of uh, training camp. And he did talk about how Instagram does in fact suck <laughs> because we yes. we see a whole bunch of uh, Vegas Golden Knights uh, celebrating as well. So that it's a little tough. And he spoke about how the guys went back, uh, drank beers, uh, played poker um, when it comes to being around the Las Vegas scene after losing in the Stanley Cup final, but also the unity that they were able to come together as well. So a little bit of insight about what they what they did after after game five of the Stanley Cup final. But I also had an opportunity to ask uh, Aaron Eckblad about the transition this season and, of course, the various amount of injuries. Here's the clip on that. And there's a reason why I phrased the question in that way as far as him personally off the ice because, of course, everything that he, he's gone through with with having a different pair, um, person on his D pair as well. And like we mentioned earlier, the, the snapping of the leg twice in, in consecutive uh, seasons. And I'm not going to pretend like I know him personally. I'm not going to. But you just hope that he has a good quality of life in in, mm-hmm. in the off season, um, regardless of all of this. And it's going to be a long road back. Uh, don't know what's going to happen as far as him getting a 
D partner and maybe Gus Forsling going to the second pair, but it's going to be a really, really tough, uh, really, really tough uh, off season for a lot of people involved. Uh, and you know, he, he's, uh, he's expected to be the guy, the guys in the, one of the guys in the locker room to say something when the team needs to be checked, not fit, not physically checked on the ice, but checked <laughs> emotionally. And, uh, I, 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 and I and and over the years, Aaron Eckblad hasn't been really revealing as far as like his his feelings to the media, but we can only imagine how mu- how much more people have probably listened to him as he's been here for such a long time. Yeah, he wanted to come to Florida on his draft day. You know, you you watch the uh, draft videos and the behind the scenes, and he was mic'd up. And I remember Dale taking his time you know, to say his name and where he, you know, played. And you just see him there, like, you know, moving his feet. He's like, come on, Dale, just do it. And, um, you know, that that's the player you want on this team, somebody who actually wants to be here, wants to have success with this franchise. And, you know, as you said, he's had a bunch, he's had a bunch of injuries. Who knows what that's done to him, you know, mentally and how he goes about his game. You know, that one season, 2016, where they had that 12-game winning streak, um, and he took that hit in Edmonton. I think that changed his career a little bit. He, I don't think he was quite the same player after that. He was trying to shield himself. He wasn't trying to play more of the physical game. But as he got older and was allowed to actually play more of a defensive style of game, not saying he's all the way there, but he he's kind of started to trust himself. He started to trust his body a little bit more. I mean, he's made a couple of phenomenal plays during this postseason where he's able to break up either a breakaway or two on ones just by being able to reach around uh, another player and knock the puck away. So uh, I just hope that mentally he's going to be okay, that he's going to be able to get over this because shoulders are no joke. Ask Alexander Barkov in his draft year. They didn't know if he was going to be ready to start the season. And, um, you know, it, it, I almost wonder if he's ever had an issue since then with that same shoulder. So those things never go away. Yeah. And the moment he talked about which shoulder it was his right shoulder, I was trying to do the shooting motion. And I'm like, yeah, I feel it here when, yeah. when trying to, when trying to do the shooting motion. Hey, and he even, and he even brought it to a two one deficit in game five, even though I didn't think the Panthers were coming back. I was like, okay, there's uh, something. So, oh, uh, come yeah. on. You, you had to have a little bit of faith there. Like if we get the first one in the second period, it, it's on. And then, yeah, we saw what uh, happened, <laughs> but you know, it was just a no expectations approach there, honestly, in game five, but also Aaron Eckblad is one of a few, few players who stay in the region during the off season as well. So that that's another thing that's going to really help um, his uh, healing of, of his body during the off season as well. So that's a, that's a plus definitely uh, for, for him. So thank, thankfully he's going to likely see uh Team doctors go goes goes through some physical therapy as well, provided by the team more than likely, and he's gonna be well on his way back. But like we said, not for the start of training camp, more than likely. Mm-hmm. But Nick, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this Fairbanks Friday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. I want to thank you as always for uh, joining me, as this is uh, day one of our off-season content here on the show. Before we sign off, tell everybody where they can follow you online. Armando, thank you again for having me on all season, all postseason. It's um, this year was a roller coaster to say the least, but I think we ended at the top without the prize. 
and as the season went, I wouldn't have it any other way. So thank you again. And if you guys are listening, following, watching, uh, you guys can follow me at Prudentia Zero on Twitter. So thank you again, Armando. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next week, my friend. See you next week. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast to be notified every single time the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Don't forget to also subscribe to the other shows on the Lockdown NHL Network, including Lockdown NHL, Lockdown Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Stu Roden, and Lockdown NHL Prospects. Thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listener of the day. And for every dayers, Make sure you come back sometime around this weekend or maybe Monday where we're going to discuss part two of the end of season media availabilities for the Florida Panthers. So I'm Armando Velez with Nick Fairbanks. And you've been listening to Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Where's your team? Every day.